Say It Skillfully is about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said, even at work. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Join Molly Chang today as together we break the silence, learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Hello, Molly here. Welcome to Say It Skillfully, helping you find the words to create shared reality in a way that's true to yourself. We're starting where I am in the New York City area, and I welcome Adam. Adam, welcome to Say It Skillfully. Thank you, Molly, for having me. Well, I appreciate your making time, and I'm very curious what tough conversation or sensitive situation is on your mind. Well, for me, I am just joining a new team, and I really want to understand from your point of view as an expert, what would be a, how would you go about um, coming into a new organization that's going through a huge reorganization? Uh, some folks may not be there uh, in the first 90 days. How would you structure a communication strategy uh, as a new leader in the organization that will be going through some very sudden changes fairly quickly? Wow. Well, first, my heartiest congratulations for joining a new team, Adam. That's fantastic. Thank you, Molly. So can you give me a bit of background? Are you completely new to the whole company, um, just give me a little context for um, your role. Does your team know you? You know, Are you a known entity? That would be helpful. Sure. Um, so I am completely new uh, to the team. In fact, uh, the VP that I'm working under is also quite new, right? This is almost just a brand new kind of refresh on this side of the business. Ooh, okay. I love it. It's fantastic. So as always, listeners know it starts with you. And so I might ask you just to, to share with us, how are you feeling about this new opportunity? I'm very excited about the opportunity. I, I think that um, where I am um, is a, a field that is ripe for change. And uh, my executive's vision fits that, that uh, sort of excitement and, and newness that uh, can come in this field. So I'm very excited. Personally. Great. Great. Okay. And then tell me a little bit about your team. Number of people. Do you go into a common office? Is everyone remote? So the team is about 14 and it is fully remote on my team. Super. And do you know now, 10 years, I mean, what do you know about folks from your interviewing, and you know, I don't know if you have, have talked to some in terms of interviewed some of some of them, or are you just they have no idea who you are? Um, it's close to no idea. I mean, I've, I've had a few conversations with either peers um, from other parts of the business, or um, maybe the few senior people that I have. Uh, but for the most part, um, just gauging on some of the early conversations that I've had, the team is relatively junior. Um, in terms of experience and, uh, yeah. Okay, great. And um, have you started already? You're about to? What's the, is there a day one looming shortly, or are you already in the seat? I am in the seat. Okay, great. And have you had a, a team meeting already? Yes, yes. 
where I, I kind of grasped some of the understanding of, of where the team is um, in terms of experience. And I mean, more to do, but I, I have a, a, a somewhat very shaky, but I'm beginning to get a picture of okay. where the team is. Okay, that's great. So here, I'll, I'll just try this out, right? And we'll, we'll work it back and forth. I love it to be real-time, very practical for you. So I think for the, you know, if you imagine yourself in their shoes, folks may be antsy about their own stability in the job, potentially, as you're hearing. And they're really wondering about you. And actually, I got a recently, um, a very senior leader shared with me a great, um, gosh, what is the word? User manual was the word. It was a couple pages. It was just awesome. This is a bit about Adam. I, uh, you know, a little bit of my background, family, you know, if you're going to work with me like a user manual, like the product, here are things that, you know, I would ask of you. Here's what you can expect from me. And I'm happy to share this with you offline, Adam. And in doing that, you're just giving them information and information is a way to help people feel you know, like they're not making it up on their own. Who is this guy? What do you value? And so that tells you a little bit about you. And then I think from a vision standpoint, the team dynamic, you know, think about, do, do you, what, what, did, what would you love for the team? And, and helping them feel like, you know, I want us to be cohesive. Um, I could imagine us really playing this game for each other. I come from a very collaborative world. I don't want to put words in your mouth, Adam, but you, whatever resonates for you so that they start to, to have a sense of we want to fit into this community. And, you know, my wish is that as a leader, which I have a great privilege to be in this role, is that I'm helping all of you be your very best to be our best together. Just pause a little bit in terms of that top-level you know, vision piece. How's that landing for you? Sounds really good, right? There's a piece of, of them getting to know me and filling that narrative gap that they may have, right? And then there's also me kind of setting a future state for them, right? Yeah. And to help them get aligned around where we want to go. Yep. And, and the idea of, I heard you say this, you know, change can be very scary for people. It's generally viewed as somewhat negative, even though we all know it's the constant. And so your energy, so excited about the opportunity, so excited about you. And I think we're, our time and place is now. We are ripe for change, right place, right time. So your confidence with that helps them also feel, okay, he's in the right place. We're in the right place, right time, right? So I think helping them feel that, and I can tell you're open book, you want to hear it and just say, you know, I... Not sure how it was in the past. I just want you folks to know I'm all about very open, honest communication. I feel that, you know, I like to normalize the mistakes. You know, my friend Gary Ridge uses learning moments. I just want us to know that, hey, look at we're not going to be perfect here. Mistakes are a way to learn. I just ask us to make new ones. And I want to really um, be upfront with that. And it goes for me. So you're really normalizing. I think a lot of leaders I know always want to be told the truth. They'd love to know if something didn't land right. They have to over pivot and in, in making space for people to actually to do that with you. And you have to realize that could be a year in the making, right? You could say it every day for a year. And it usually takes about a year and they're like, wow, Adam really wants to hear it. <laughs> so, so don't be surprised <laughs> if it might take longer. Um, so that, there's a body of work. And I think that, you know, again, the people underpin the performance intellectually people know that they're looking for that in their and then the actions and so i might 
offer a, a way to go around and just share a mini life journey. You know, it's just something that people can really get to know each other, including you. Um, and again, I'm happy to take you through ways to do that. But I think that creates a way for people to know each other as humans. And generally, when I've done that, people are like, wow, I've worked with this guy for 17 years. I had no idea about that. Right. So now you're here, someone honoring who they are. It says a lot about you as a leader if that's your first kind of action. So that's a way to really create connection amongst the team members. And it's, it's, you know, relatively minor investment. This isn't taking a ton of time. Right? And then I might say at some point, I use a bit of a consulting model. You know, you need to know the current state um, and then you know, the future state, and then you craft the path. And you might be very clear on the vision, right, of where we want to go. But if the team isn't aligned with where we are, so it's hard to craft a path that, that everyone's going to feel is the right one. So I think of that as co-creating, and you can do that in a number of ways. Could be, you know, how is the team working now? What's working well? What would we like to amp up? And really create a space for brainstorming. You can use sticky notes and just having people realize, like, look at the. We want this team to be amazing. I want it to be amazing. You want it to be amazing. Let's let's all align on what that looks like and clarify for us how we're going to be together. And you may have heard in, in, in previous shows, there's a great way to create a team alliance with just two questions. One is, hey, what atmosphere will help us to thrive? And I've done this with sticky notes. You know, it's a few words. You might say open and transparent. You might say, you know, watch each other's back. And the next level might be, well, what, what's watch each other's back mean? And so you're creating clarity and a chance for everyone to participate in, in the environment that's going to help the team thrive. And the other question would be, how do we want to be when times get tough? There's going to be situations where you may know information, you can't really share it. So they're going to have to trust you. There may be situations where, you know, the, the process isn't what it's supposed to be. We made a mistake or whatever. How do we want to handle that? And again, you let people co-create that. I often like to normalize things aren't going to go perfectly if they went perfectly you know it would be really easy so just anticipate <laughs> stuff's going to go off the rails right you may lose your cool you know what happens if you lose your cool i mean so you, you give people a chance to just realize that we can recover and when things are tough you know keep the faith and know that we'll be better for it this doesn't mean you have the answer but i think as a leader that level of confidence in the process that you know, tough times happen, we work it through together, it makes our bonds stronger, we figure out better answers when we're doing it together, and we move on. So let me pause on that. How's that landing for you? That is tremendous, Molly. Thank you. Um, I, love, I love the, uh, as a former consultant myself, I, I do appreciate uh, kind of setting the stage of, of, of uh, current state, uh, understanding the vision, and then building the past collectively uh, with the team just so that we can level set and understand you know, who we are and where we're going to go. Um, and I love the questions. Those questions are brilliant. Um, it's crazy. I never thought of asking something like that. So um, <laughs> <laughs> like I've danced around it um, in teams I've met in the past, but like those questions are so clear. So I'm, I'm really appreciative of, of you uh, lending me some of that expertise on that. That's fantastic. Is there uh, anything else that's coming to your mind, a question um, that I could help you with? Um, I mean, I, I guess building off of that question, I'm going to be doing a lot of hiring. Um, and I guess I would be curious, um, how would you prep a team for having an influx of new talent coming in? 
So change, this is a, another form of change. And I think having clarity on the situation, uh, that's the shared reality, is number one. As the leader, oftentimes you might appreciate there's new work coming on, we're entering a new market. So it's very inherently obvious to you that more people are needed. It may not be for the team. So I would encourage great transparency to set up that if they were in a leadership position, this is obviously the right thing to do. So there's no question as to the driver for the change. Short of that, okay, if you don't clarify, people will make it up on their own. We're obviously not doing very well or they don't think very highly of us. And this kind of noise really can be very distracting and really hit productivity. So I think also offering, you know, here we have this change going on. I'd like to set it up for you so you understand why. And then confirming that it makes sense. There's a lot of stuff. Well, I told them. <laughs> like, well, you might have told them, but did they understand what you wanted them to understand? Because that's on you. So just helping people appreciate that. And then I think this is a we thing. So we could be, maybe you're saying we're double the team and say, so this is the deal. This is an opportunity for all of us, right? Imagine you're a new person. You want to come in and really rock it and really be productive, but they're going to be a little lost. How do we handle that as a team? So then it's not like Adam's got to solve for however many new headcount, but we as a group are doing that. And I don't know how the company does interviewing, but obviously expectation setting, fit, all those kinds of things. So the ability for people to feel like they're part of the process and interviewing this is where you're like, hey, you know, let's talk a bit about this culture. We talked about the atmosphere to th thrive, how we're going to handle it when times are tough. Maybe some things that start to shape about our culture and key behaviors that then everyone realizes we're holding ourselves accountable to and anyone new, right? And, and I would, I've always used this with teams and you might try it, but I said, I always want us to hire people way better than I am. You know, God help us if we're only hiring people as good as I am. Let's we want to really raise the bar because that's going to help all of us grow. And that shows, I think, a great deal of confidence when a leader embraces that and, and creates space for people um, to want that uh, for injecting new blood into the team. How's that landing for you? That is outstanding. Um, I really appreciate the, the transparency and the, uh, the concept of building together, right? Um, and how powerful that can be for them, uh, for the team to see, right? This isn't just, you know, me coming in with a, a vision, right? This is this is the thing that's going to help all of us um, yeah. get better. Yeah. I love it. So I love it. Is that your top takeaway from our chat, Adam? Yeah, I think uh, clarity, transparency, um, super huge uh, for uh, this communication strategy that I'm building out over the next week or so. I love it. Well, my friend, you know how to reach me, so I'm happy to partner any way with you that might be helpful. And I'm really thrilled for you because I can hear the excitement, and I have no doubt that for you and the team, the organization, there's a lot of upside. I thank you for creating time in your busy day for joining me and, and for being part of the solution. You take good care, Adam. Oh, that's so exciting. Can't wait to hear how that unfolds. Okay, before my next caller, let me invite you, if you're listening, to give a ring, 866-472-5790, or internationally, you may call Collect at country code 1-480-398-3352 if there's a challenging conversation you'd like to unpack with me. Um, and as always, there's more help for you at sayitskillfully.com, my website. And we're going down to the D.C. area, and I'm very jazzed to welcome John to the show. John, welcome to Say It Skillfully. 
Hey, Molly, what a great pleasure to be on your show. What an honor. Thank you so much. Well, the honor is mine, and I'd love to hear what uh, conversation or situations on your mind. Well, you know, I work with a nonprofit medical association, and we have members all around the world, and we've actually been virtual for a decade. And so my question is, how can we help to improve the whole organization to be able to say it skillfully in a virtual world? Because even after the pandemic, when people go back to their offices, we're going to continue to be virtual, but we've got board members and staff members, volunteer leaders, uh, and they're, you know, they're, they're living and working all around the world. And so my concern is, you know, what happens when you think a call goes okay or you end in a good point, but really there's some ruffled feathers and there's somebody silently suffering. So how to tease that out and, and does being an introvert or an extrovert matter and how, what we're, I'm looking for a roadmap. How can we sort of supercharge the whole organization, you know, with uh, Molly Chang and say it skillfully? Okay, well, I think it's going to be John saying it skillfully with the team. I love the ambition, and this is my dream for all organizations in the world to have leaders like you who want this to happen. Before we go there, having a very soft spot for the social sector, would you share a bit with listeners what your organization does and how you're serving uh, the communities that you're in, John? Yeah, so I'm fortunate enough to be working with uh, ACRM, the American Congress of rehabilitation medicine. And so it's basically people who are researchers or clinicians for traumatic brain injury, spinal cord injury, stroke, neurodegenerative disease, cancer, chronic pain, you know, et cetera. And so it's sort of, uh, you know, the full spectrum of anything that is seriously in need of uh, someone's in, in serious need of rehabilitation. Uh, and then we're also a, a multidisciplinary, interdisciplinary group. So it's the medical doctors, the PTs, the OTs, the speech language pathologists, rehab nurse. It's, it's the whole gamut. It's the whole team uh, trying to help uh, the patient get back, get, uh, get back to their highest level of being. So, so it's, it's, uh, it's, it's not siloed. It's very, it's very much hitting the whole, a lot of different dynamics across the spectrum, both in terms of the diagnostic and in terms of the job profile. So it's not easy. This is a really tough, uh, tough dynamic, I think. Uh, that's why we're coming to you, Molly. Mm-hmm. Well, that is a noble calling, and uh, I can't imagine the countless patients and their families that are very fortunate to have someone focusing on this. Um, my mother was a nurse for over 30 years. I'm considered the medical profession the noblest of, of all to really help people in their wellness. So kudos to you and the team. Um, so there is, to me, a, a huge opportunity because you've got people coming at this from su- such different angles and the ability, you know, I think the number one thing I tend to see missing in organizations is what I call empathetic understanding of our colleagues. And that's just that's not just knowing like what the doctor does or what the, the therapist does, but it's that sense of what's it feel like to be in, e- be in each other's shoes. So there's that notion of really truly connecting with our colleagues as human beings. And because you're in a well-being, caring, healthcare world, that's you know even more important. And I think a lot of folks who come to that really do come with a very um, strong sense of serving. You know, so I think you're just lucky that's built in to your world. So I might you know ask, I think given that the leadership level throwing this out as, you know, an aspiration. We're obviously, you know, serving people. We want to be better. I want to be better. 
going through an understanding of where people think they are in this could be very interesting. So I'll just, this is just one idea and obviously happy to work through others with you. Um, but I often ask teams I work with, you know, to what extent when you're in your group, are you, is everybody saying what needs to be said? People are like, what? I mean, you know, like no holding back, bad news, asking questions, challenging each other, debating. You know, 10 is like no holding back. Everybody throws it out there. Five might be, you know, half of the time. One might be 10% of the time. And no good or bad or right or wrong, and you can easily do this on a survey monkey. Rarely do you get 10s or 9s. You know, sometimes people say that because they want it to be better than it is, but rarely, rarely is it that high. And it's not about making anyone wrong or bad. It's just a sense of what's people's different experience. And the next question might be, to what extent are you saying what you think needs to be said? Which is typically... People are like, well, I say it. No one else is saying it, but I say it. So typically what I see is people rate themselves a little bit higher. Um, and so you could create a series of just, you know, light benchmark things just to see what it looks like. And when people hold back, you might ask, what, what holds you back from saying what you think needs to be said? And I think the setup on this is, you know, to, you know, you have to have this accurate shared reality. You've heard me say this, right? That, that's essential to make the best decisions, execute with speed, and get to great outcomes. You have to be on the same page. And the way to, to get there is that you must hear all voices in the system, including the unpopular ones, to get to that reality and to, to be able to fulfill the system's potential. And the third tenet is that it's easy for people to fold their arms and say, well, John's not making it safe. John's not asking the right questions, right? It's easy to point fingers at everybody else when, in fact, we're all part of the problem and we're all part of the solution. So laying out those three tenets and with the spirit of, you know, we're going to be better together if we're operating on the same page, which I know everybody wants. However, at times, and I have them too, we all have blind spots. So just pause for a bit as a setup. How does that land for you? Molly, that sounds great. I was just trying to jot down some notes quietly while you spoke and, uh, you know, you, you absolutely, um, um, characterize the the organization correctly. There is tremendous uh, empathetic understanding, and I really like your idea of of doing the survey, doing sort of a small uh, survey monkey, something to just tease out, you know, to see if we can find uh, where people are at, where they think other people are at, see if we can um, uh, try to uh, just benchmark where we're at, and then ask, and then uh, also survey and ask, how, you know, what's going to hold, what's holding people back, what's keeping them from saying what they want to say. And uh, so I, I like your framework a lot. It, it seems really uh, like exactly the right thing to do. <laughs> I'm glad it feels right. So let me add to that. You mentioned the introvert, extrovert. And I do define that not in terms of sociability because I am an introvert. I derive my energy primarily from within. I like people. I like to hang out with people, but it's not a huge source of energy for me. So, you know, in my TED Talk, the introverts, that you have the quiets and you have the noisies. And so what happens is the noisies are people who are just really, they're just easy for them to speak up. They can jump in first. They can talk for a long time. They may not always realize they're jumping in first and talking for a long time, therefore making it harder for some of the introverted people to get in. So normalizing that these differences and noises and the quiets are out there. And, and this is the opportunity for awareness, which is if you're in a meeting and you're realizing that, gosh, you know, not really hearing all the voices because we have to hear all voices in order to get to this accurate shared reality. One, one could just chime in and say, hey, noticing we've had a few folks really passionate and sharing a lot, which is great. 
love for you to stand down a bit, and I'm going to invite folks who haven't said anything yet to chime in. And it may be that I'm tracking and I 100% I'm with the, the team. So that's great. Don't, people don't have to feel like they have to make up something. But short of actually being explicit, the team actually wouldn't know that you are on board or not, right? And then I think to the skillfulness thing, and I think this is the thing for the leaders to model, is saying, you know, I'm noticing people are agreeing. I don't know. Is that good? That might not be good. Maybe we're all missing it. I'm going to ask everyone, let's, let's debate the opposite side. Come at it a different way. Presume that what you think isn't what you think. Take the other side and build that case, right? So you're normalizing, leaning into things that, that other people might label as conflict and therefore they think of it as negative. If you're like, gosh, I love the fact that we're debating here or bringing out different points of view and, and to your point, skillfully, now we're not making it personal. We're not doing it in you know edgy, yelling, screaming voices, but we're here to really tease out what we think the true the, 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 the reality really is. So that's a way to work with the introvert and the extroverts. And I'm curious, do you feel pretty balanced or do you have, do you weight one versus the other in your organization? Um, well, I, when you say balanced, do you mean in terms of the noises and the quiet or? Yeah. Do you mean, do you have more, do you have equal number of noises and quiets or do you have a lot of, a lot more introverts? When people are disagreeing with me, I feel like we have too many noises. And when I think or, uh, that's, uh, you know, I think part of, the, part of the dynamic, Molly, is over the past year or so with the pandemic, we've had a couple of people naturally roll off the team, you know, their own choice. And, and we brought on some new people in the team. And I, so I think part of the struggle of this virtual element is that somebody's a new volunteer or somebody's a new staff member or somebody's a new board member, they're just, I think, naturally a little bit more cautious. And it's a little bit easier for the traditional group that's already gelled, you know, to sort of just run with it. And, and, and so part of my dilemma is how can I engage those people virtually? Because, you know, in, before the pandemic, we we're getting together two or three times a year for meetings, uh, you know, of the organization. And so you do have that sort of relationship building in person. But if I've got two or three uh, uh, you know, new staff or two or 300 new members or two or 300 new volunteer leaders. Uh, and how can I help get them built in in this virtual world? And, and they're maybe for years won't be with us in person because, uh, you know, they're, they're in Asia or they're in the Middle East or they're in, they're in Europe or they're in South America. So, um, so, so there may just not be the resources for us to meet in person, but I don't, I don't want them to feel excluded. So how can I, uh. how can I pull them in? I love this. This is this is spectacular, and this applies for. I can't tell you the number of people I've talked to. Who are like I joined my, I just joined my company, and I've met no one in person. So this is very real, <laughs> you know, like private, private, nonprofit, profit. So I, I love the idea of being very intentional um, with the onboarding and having to be creative and having to be very realistic. And I think the number one thing is you as a leader, very, being very clear on the value that. Um, that you want to put into onboarding. It's not a checkbox thing. You view it as an investment. You view it as a very important way that we create connection with you. And so bringing on board, you know, existing folks with maybe a group of new people say, hey, what was it like? What are we doing now? You know, and how is it going? And how do we amp it up? And part of the expectation that you could set up is for both sides, if you will, the new folks. This is we are not asking for you to come in and observe us for three months and then feel like you can say something. You have value to add straight away. Oh, by the way, 
let's not waste the opportunity to have new eyes and ears listening and looking. So we really want to make sure that we are encouraging, you know, hey, why do we do it this way? Or what's this like? And so I think setting something up literally physically, it's just that, that, that um, shares that and that you're expecting as a responsibility of folks who've been there to be extending their hands out, reaching, pulling people on board and being open to new ideas, right? So again, it's all of us together notion. The uh, previous caller, we talked about creating the personal connection. So, you know, when some, when you come in and have a chance to share your story and hear your other colleagues' stories and you start to see who they are as human beings, John, that just creates a very different, you know, work atmosphere and sometimes think, well, it's a waste of time. Well, I would argue that this is actually the, the root of the trust um, and the ability to help people that you know. It's much easier to help people that you know, right, than people you don't. So perhaps that's part of onboarding and creating welcome teams so that, you know, everybody's part of it. Obviously, you can't do it. You're one guy, you know, so you've got to think about how does everyone realize this helps us all be better. So I'll pause there. That's a lot. How's that landing? Yeah, no, I really like that, Molly. And and so the idea is to really make sure it's embedded as part of our, our onboarding that we're uh, asking people when they come on board, we're wanting and expecting them to uh, to set the stage. We're wanting you to share. We're wanting you to be interactive. We're wanting you to ask those early questions. No question is a dumb question. Uh, and, and, and also to encourage them, you know, per your conversation with Adam, to, to share some of their personal background so that we all can start to have something in contact with them. I, I think I have not done a good job with this over the past year uh, in the pandemic, I, and I probably don't do a good job with it in general, but um, it just really resonates with me as, as being something really important and, and great advice. Well, thank you for, for internalizing it. And don't be too hard on yourself because, look, at you got the wheels going on in your organization. I mean, this has been a super rough time for leaders of organizations of any size. So kudos for where you're at. I would offer that onboarding sometimes is this, is, this is this small group of people's job to onboard everybody. And I'm not saying there shouldn't be, obviously, a, a core group that owns materials and things like that. But to the extent that the ownership of the effectiveness and the experience of onboarding is distributed so that every person realizes that they have a role. Every existing person um, exudes the culture and they are an example for new people. And so being explicit that successful onboarding is every single person's job and you have a a pivotal role to play and just clarifying how some of those roles are. Perhaps you rotate people so that, and again, the more that people might be closer to it, they might be like, wow, this is really hard. You know, they could, it's easy to complain that this person doesn't know this or they weren't able to do that. But then you start to appreciate, you know, all it takes to bring on somebody new. And that might be a way to actually help your existing team, you know, raise their, their game. How's that sound for you? I like it. And I really like the idea of having the rotation and trying to embed that as part of the culture where we're going to, we're going to rotate this responsibility so that it's, it's constantly happening. And we get that everybody has a little bit of a twist or a a new fresh take. Another question I have, if I can squeeze in one more question, are there some resources you can recommend Molly? Are there books that you really like around saying it skillfully that we could recommend to our staff and our members and our our board members, uh, is there a consulting firm that we could work with? Could we do workshops? Could we bring in an external facilitator? Are there any of those resources out there that, that you're aware of or uh, that you could uh, 
suggest, and not to put you on the spot if you don't have a list handy right now, but those are things that we'd like to do to try to supercharge saying it skillfully within our organization. Yeah, I really, really cannot tell you how much I appreciate how you're leaning into this. It's like warms my heart. So um, I am going to be writing a book and I am going to be creating a course because I really want everyone to have these skills. I think um, I have a resource list of things that I've compiled so I can send it to you. I, I would say that the number one linchpin in this work is for people to have a sense of mutual accountability for it, meaning um, I can be more skillful. I have to think about how I'm handling my communications with other people. Um, not to say that other people can't improve as well, but I think the mutual accountability, and I think you can set that stage by saying, hey, I always want folks to know I'm, I'm here to improve, so I'm going to, you know, maybe it's every month you do a lunch and learn, how can I improve? What are you seeing? So you're, you, you role model what you want to see happen in the organization. And, and I think that, you know, I, ca- I came up with these 50 free videos, to, and I've had people binge watch them, you know, like 15 at a time. Because what happens is some people will, a lot of people will say, you know, I'm pretty good. And I've had people say, well, I'm great at communications. And they come back and they go, you know what? I think I'm good. So my experience has been everyone, everyone can amp it up and can improve. And so when you get that sentiment that people are interested in doing it, then it's much easier. And then the awareness, you know, as you've seen in some of my things is like, hey, what's going on for you? What's it like in someone else's shoes? What do we want to, what, what's going to serve the whole? Instead of, and you, and you mentioned you're very inter- interdisciplinary, integrated, which is great, but a lot of folks are like, what's right for marketing? What's right for manufacturing? It's like, well, what's right for the company? <laughs> it's really what you'd really like and not having people have to duke it out in their own silo. So um, I think that the mutual accountability piece and then leaders in particular, your leadership team saying, hey, you know, we want to hear it. And we own the fact that maybe we weren't as explicit or haven't created as much opening for people. And so our ask is, let us know. And so then what happens is that if, if an employee or someone isn't saying it, the subtle message is, you know, that's on you. We, it's a mutual, you know, shared responsibility here. And so we want to hear it. And if for any reason it's not feeling safe for you, I just, I want to know that. And I'm going to say thank you. Your first thing is going to be thank you for letting me know. No, that might have been tough. Um, what would you like to have happen? How can we work this through together? Very, very collaborative. That to me is more than the actual skill. And I do, I am going to come up with something. I think at the end of the day, it's not rocket science. Um, the self-awareness piece is the first and foremost, and it's easy because everyone else, I mean, everyone I know is like, oh, I wish my boss were more self-aware. <laughs> like that just, that just tends, tends to be a, an ongoing theme. And I know the bosses don't wake up and say, God, I don't want to be self-aware. I definitely don't. They do, right? So it's, <laughs> it's a just, you know, it, it's, I mean, it's, it's kind of cute, you know? And so I think the, the boss is saying, hey, I know I'm not perfect. Um, let, let it rip. Tell me like it is. You know, I'm going to always love you regardless. I may not be happy with the information, but I'm going to value you as a human being. You know, you can make it a little light. And, you know, for leaders, I would tell you, look, you belong there. No one's arguing whether you belong there. And the the folks who show that they can make mistakes, you know, I don't know, was Gary Ridge's most powerful words, the CEO of WD-40. I don't know. Oh, my God, the boss said he didn't know. People love them for their vulnerability, right? So I think that is something to normalize. And um, I just want to encourage folks all out there that, you know, you don't have to wait for your boss to have an epiphany. You can go in and, you know, 
go through the videos. I gave some ways you can lay it out there. And, you know, I think that there's just no doubt in my mind how much better we can be together. I mean, like zero, right? So I really applaud you, John, for your uh, enthusiasm and your interest. Well, thank you, Molly. We're so grateful for the work that you do and the postings that you do on YouTube and LinkedIn. And I've been an active follower of yours for, for two years. And uh, uh, everything that you do just resonates with me. And I think, boy, there's, she, she's just really on to something. This, this is really, uh, uh, you know, sort of ultra polite communication, trying to get the message across without trying to uh, leave even a ripple in the water. And so you're, you're just super gifted at it. And we're grateful to have you uh, out there leading us, Molly. Well, yeah, that's how I feel about you. It's really been uh, a privilege to be at this point. And for all the listeners out there, I'm always cheering for you. They know it. Um, John, we talked about a lot. Do you have a particular top takeaway? Well, you know, um, you know, one of the thoughts that I had when you were talking just on this last piece, and from watching your videos, it does seem that there's a, a strong connection and also a disconnect between self-awareness and accountability. There are those people who absolutely want to be accountable, but they're just not self-aware. They haven't had the feedback or they haven't had the tools. You know, in the rehabilitation world, we talk about, you know, somebody learns how to walk and they, they uh, uh, and then they have an accident and, and they have to learn how to walk again. And, but with saying it skillfully, it's, re- so that's rehabilitation. Habilitation is learning how to walk the first time. Rehabilitation is learning how to walk the second time. But in say it's skillful, it's really habilitation. It's learning those Skills And so I think there is a, a, a big sense of, you know, people are just not self-aware of not doing things well. And that's my concern for myself. And that's my wish for others is that we can all be more self-aware. Because I think at the end, people mostly do want to be accountable. You know, like you say, people don't, uh, you know, get in the car to drive to work every day and say that I'm going to really frustrate the team. I can't wait to get to the office. You know, they, they people want to do good. And so, so a, a lot of your messages coming out. Uh, um, to me. So that, that one, that message really resonated with me. And, and so the question is how to get to that self-awareness and help, how to help others get to that self-awareness. And, and by and large, it's modeling, you know, as you are teaching us online, how we can say it more skillfully, uh, um, you know, you're, you're teaching us, you're showing us all these uh, clever approaches that we can apply in our own lives and have better communication and, and have things de-escalated. So... Um, so that was a thought that I had just when, when you were speaking the last time. Yeah, Lance, let me just add so this. So I think the notion of the curiosity, which is the asking the questions versus the telling, like you need to be more self-aware. That may be very true. That's unlikely to go very well. And so the ability to think about if I were in issues, and all of us have been in situations, folks, where we see something, we don't see something everybody else does. Like we have all been there, right? So being compassionate, you know, I know how much you care, John, about the organization. I know how you would do anything, right, to make it better. Um, I saw something that I noticed that I'm not sure that you might have picked up on, okay, is now a good time to share it with you. So you're asking permission, right? And the person, so again, there's no, there's no judging here. It's just, you're very peer to peer. Oh yeah. Now is a good time. So you're giving the person a sense of control. Say, well, I noticed this was said and not you. How do you think the other people felt? And so any way that you can help another person, just consider what it might be like for other people. Right. And then 
It's uh, my, my mentor, Marshall Goldsmith, had the feedback, feed forward. Feedback is great, talks about the past, but a feed forward might be, you know, I think you'd be even more spectacular. I would love to see this and help the person, you know, model it out for them, help them see what great would look like. And then, you know, how does that sound? How can I help you? So these are very basic ways that you can deconstruct a situation. Most of the time, though, because we might be a little bit nervous or we're maybe a little bit emotional, it comes across in a way where it's hard for the other per- person to really take it in in a loving and a supportive way. It becomes a win-lose kind of way. So I'll just close with that. And I want to tell you that we will continue this conversation because I think there's a lot going on here. And I, I would love to, um, to, to uh, explore it with you further. Well, Molly, I'd just like you to drop everything and work on your book and get that done faster. <laughs> i got to work on that, too. Okay, look, at I'm cheering for you in the biggest way. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, thank you for being part of the solution in a big way, John, and we'll be in touch very soon. Okay, we're shifting. We're going all the way over to California now on the West Coast in Irvine. And Nayantara, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, welcome to the show. Thank you, Molly. It's great to be here. Well, I guess you got up early, so I'm really thrilled. What is on your <laughs> mind today, my friend? Uh, no problem at all. It's been fantastic listening to these conversations. Um, so I'm just curious. Um, with as much chaos as and disruption as COVID seems to be creating, um, I believe there's also kind of incredible opportunity to reimagine workplaces and systems. And I'm wondering about trends. Um, are you seeing leaders in certain industries outpacing the rest in terms of maybe adopting um, inclusive workplace strategies or um, navigating change a little bit more nimbly than others? Great question. And I love how you're seeing this glass half full and upside. <laughs> right, right, I really do. I love that. Not to not to um, not be sensitive to, to folks who are really Absolutely. having a tough time. Yeah, and so I get yeah. that. Um, I appreciate that. I'm, I'm wired that way too to to kind of figure out how the lemons go to lemonade. And uh, I think you know we could maybe use a few more of us in this camp because <laughs> it really is a tough time. <laughs> You know, I think yeah. I haven't done research myself or studied up on the research. What I would say as observation is if leaders were in good connection and good relationship with employees before the pandemic, mm-hmm. they certainly had a softer landing. They had a right. much softer landing, right? Because um, I was shocked, shocked, and still shocked at the number of folks who would say, my boss is expecting us to increase productivity and to do even more. And, and, you know, in a way that I thought, what leader is possibly not realizing that it takes three hours to wash your groceries off? And, you know, like it's just, I mean, it was, it was a little bit hard for me to imagine yeah. that you could miss that, right? So, and, and, and I understand pressure for results. And I think that you know, it, it can be come from a place of fear for folks when you're really worried about numbers. You know, like we got to double down, do the stuff that we've been doing. And, you know, I, th- I think that can lead to a tough cycle, you know, if you're only focusing on the task and not the people part. So uh, I guess I'd start by saying, you know, for it's never too late. And for the folks who found themselves, you know, not necessarily having as much connection and trust built in that you could still develop that virtually. Absolutely. You just need to be intentional about it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I, I, you know, with the the pandemic and then with the times, I think, 
you know, everyone that I'm talking to wants to wants to do the right thing around uh, diversity, around equity as human beings, um, of helping people feel that they belong. So I think it's really great to see just such great intention. I think the the organizations sometimes, you know, and again, very positive intention are really want to quick to do things, which I understand the bias for action. I just think in this case, you really want to bring people along and confirm that you're, the actions that you're taking are really helping. Um, and I, I want to really shout out to the folks who might not feel that they're in the dominant groups, whatever that is, um, and, and the folks who are not in the dominant groups. And I get that it can feel that you're really tired of explaining what it feels like to be. And you really feel like you just want people to know. And, you know, it, you just feel like it's not my job to save everybody. And I'm not saying it is, but for all of us, it really is incumbent to um, share our experience, what we think would be helpful and why as a way to educate. Because I think a knowledge is power here. And it isn't necessarily an absolute right or wrong, but if you are perceiving something in a way that someone, you know, has not even considered, right? But you don't say anything, Nayantara, then kind of you're part of the problem, right? So now you're kind of letting them go along. You're like, I think that's kind of a train wreck happening. And I'm just going to sit here on the side because I don't want to say anything. Um, so, I, so I would just offer that, yes, everyone needs to get the support that you need and just to, to kind of fuel your own soul. And then when you're ready to, to contribute, to realize that, you know, celebrate the one inch forward. And I, and I, you know, I see this sometimes with women and men, you know, I, I remember very distinctly this, this man said something and, you know, wasn't quite appropriate. And this woman just reacted in this really horribly negative, like, oh my God, I can't believe it. You know, and it was very valid. At the same time, that's not really useful for that poor guy who, you know, at that point didn't really know any better. And there could have been a more skillful way to just help them appreciate that that really wasn't, you know, a, a way that to go about that. And, and be more constructive about it, you know? So I think the ability to really lean into positive intent, to to re- appreciate that what's landing for you may not land for someone another way. And when that's the case, to get curious about it. And that can I th- hopefully neutralize and then help people, um, you know, help people co-create a world that's going to really help all of us. I love it. (laughs) And and I, I, I mean, um, everything you said resonates. I absolutely agree. Um, with, you know, co-creating spaces with, um, listening to understand more than to hear that, that all totally lands for me. Um, a follow-up question that's kind of coming up is is related to this point around power dynamics in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know I've, I've heard from a lot of colleagues, whether it be the virtual situation or, or um, even prior to the pandemic in personal situation, this feeling of um, not Basically, this confusion around is what is what I'm saying, despite saying it, really making a difference. Um, and I think for one of the earlier callers, you had spoken to the point about falling through with the action. Um, and so I was wondering if if you 
could elaborate a little bit more on that and maybe speak to how leaders could follow through with action in this pandemic climate and speak to the to the idea of timing as well and and this sense that you know you're still heard you're still seen and maybe the action isn't going to happen immediately but here's the the pathway you know for the next six months etc yeah yeah, I appreciate that. And this is a longer conversation than we have time. Yeah. But I would say that it is important to come up with something concrete. And I think for leaders, it's not necessarily your job to make it up. So you can hear folks, right? This is what we're right. hearing. And based on what we're hearing, we think that this action would help us move forward. Do you agree? Because I think what I want to kind of help people appreciate, like, well, people aren't taking action. It's like, well, what action do you think would be a step in the right direction? And that's don't kind of fold your arms and expect someone else to come up with the answer. Right. And so I would ask folks to think about what a concrete thing that's a step in the right direction. And that's a win, right? It may not be all the way. I get it. We're not in the 50 yard dash. Maybe it's 10, but it's okay. Um, And, and to just take, you know, solid steps forward, not feel like you necessarily have to leap. Um, I would love to continue the conversation, but we're going to wrap. So do you have a particular top takeaway, my friend? Uh. Listen to understand, not just to hear. <laughs> I love it. And I love um, it. yeah, and thank you. This is this is terrific. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate your vibrancy. We'll stay in touch, and I want to thank you for being part of the solution. You take good care. Oh, I'll close by acknowledging my callers from past shows, today's, and in the future, for your courage to learn with me and help listeners all around the world. Thank you. And my thought for the week is what I wish for all. Finding your voice, one that is effective and authentic to you, is how you can be who you are and say what needs to be said. And that's from my TED Talk, which I urge you to check out. And that's a wrap. My thank you for tuning in. Please be part of the solution and kindly share this show. Reflect on your top takeaways. And no, I'm cheering for you to be who you are and say what needs to be said so that you and those around you have a shared reality essential to make the best decisions, execute with speed, and achieve outstanding outcomes at work and in life. Homelessness is a problem that's more costly to ignore than solve. The U.S. spends $12 billion a year responding, but resources alone aren't enough. I'd like you to know there are cities and counties proving what does work. Partnering with Community Solutions, a nonprofit I'm on the board of, More than 80 communities around the country are succeeding in ending homelessness, beginning with chronic and veteran homelessness. They convene local leaders around data and are changing how they work and spend their resources. So homelessness becomes rare. More than half have already reduced the number of people experiencing chronic and veteran homelessness with commitment to get to zero. What can you do? Visit www.built40.org and see whether your community is engaged. Contact your mayor and ask, do you know the number of people experiencing homelessness in real time? Do you know every homeless person by name? What are you doing to drive measurable reductions in homelessness? Please challenge the fiction that says homelessness is an intractable problem. Thanks for listening to Say It Skillfully with host Molly Chang. Join us again for more ways to say it skillfully next Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow Molly on LinkedIn and Twitter. Check out SayItSkillfully.com and sign up so you don't miss her latest 90-second video. And please 
Be part of the solution. Kindly tell others about this program so they say it skillfully too. 